you know, I think our, our, you know, litmus test for hiring somebody was if they had a pulse and were breathing. <laughs> they breathed. Yeah. <laughs> they got past that one. We thought, hey, this could be a valuable uh, team member. But now we started to look at it and say, okay, we, we need to make sure that when we're adding people, we're adding the right people. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Have you ever tried following a recipe and realized you didn't have all of the ingredients? I don't bake, so <laughs> probably. No, I have. Welcome back to the Impact Without Limits podcast. This is Dale Carmi. We're sitting here with Brian, and we're uh, digging into our story and uh, trying to pull out some information that will be hopefully valuable and, and useful to um, many of you out there. So, uh, last last episode, we were talking about that um, time in between the end of Ashland and the start of Foreverland and that process, and we're going to jump back into that time frame because not only were we going through Brian this you know decision process we talked about about what product what company what do you want to do we were talking about the the importance of the foundation you know building a foundation on the rock not the sand uh, we, you know we just went through all that figure that out and, and gather all that information this was um, you know our our futures depended on that work we still had a company. We still had not many. We had a couple team members. You know, Richard and Eli were still with us as we were going through that. Priscilla still had uh, Randy and Ty. So we had we had to keep the doors open. And how do you, you know, how do you how do you do that? Because we can't order grass. We don't have the ability to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, "Hey, we need." a 15 by 30, a 15 by 50, you know, whatever it is, you ship us some grass so we can do a job. So, and, and uh, interject, we also had families, right? We had, yeah, I forgot, you, forgot about the family. Had, <laughs> at this point, four kids, your youngest was a baby, uh, less than a year old. And I had uh, two little girls and uh, a third on the way. Uh, and like really, really on the way yeah, any day. And, yeah. She's, she's ready to, to have a, another baby. And they like to eat. They they odd, wanted to yeah. odd thing, but they do. And um, you know, I, we had bet the farm. We had put everything we had into starting this turf business, and our and supplier <laughs> goes out of business. Right? I mean, they they're, they file bankruptcy. Not. I mean, we had orders that they well, wouldn't yeah, ship. I mean, I mean, look, they were they owed us money from that the baseball fields that. And, and and the flip side of that is we had orders. Correct. We had customers that had placed orders. We had customers that were wanting to place orders. We had orders that had been entered and some orders, or maybe all of them had been entered and paid for and the whole system was just shut down. Orders we had placed, we're not going to get. Money we had paid, we're not going to see. Customers who wanted products, we didn't have anything to give them. We're going through this decision process. We have all this pressure. 
um, to make a decision quick. We didn't want to make a quick decision. So what do we do? And and that's kind of what, what led to that, that question we opened up with is if you ever tried following a recipe, realize you didn't have all the ingredients. Well, in this case, it's like, um, <clears throat> I just had a, a trip to Alaska. Let me sidebar here. It was really neat. And Colton, my son, we went salmon fishing. He got a king salmon. was awesome. We pulled it out awesome. of the river. Same day he caught it, we end up eating it that night, right? We flay it, we eat it. And so, because we're getting ready to cook it, it's like, okay, how do you, you know, how do you cook a salmon? What, you know, what's the right way? So we're Googling it. We're getting, well, you need, you know, salt, you need paprika, you need this, you need, uh, you know, lemon juice. And there, there's all these ingredients in and butter, olive oil. You're doing, okay, the ingredient we were missing out here in Albuquerque was the salmon. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we might have had the butter and the olive oil and the salt and whatever, we didn't have the salmon. We're a turf company. We have customers ordering turf. I don't have it. What are you going to do? How, how do you, how do you get through that? So it, it was, there was, there was a little bit of tap dancing we had to do here. And uh, it was kind of a neat process because as we, as we've talked about already, it went nine weeks, nine weeks from the time um, we were told Ashland was done until we actually started for Avalon. That's nine weeks without revenue if we don't find a way to install turf. And nine weeks without revenue just was not an option. We had no credit left. We had no savings left. We were totally over-leveraged, and we were stuck. So one thing we did have was, um, Dale, I I don't want to label you or give you a name, but I've I've heard people. People, maybe pack rat. Uh, My wife uses the term hoarder. hoarder. I think she's going a little yeah. too far with that one. But Dale likes to save things. He's very resourceful. So we would do projects. Is a good, good answer. And and the turf comes in fifteen foot wide rolls, and maybe we'd do something that was twelve feet, and so you'd be left with a three foot roll left. Well, I'll tell you what never happened was that thing never it found the dumpster. It was put in the warehouse. I and saved everything. We got to a point where, honestly, we had trouble getting stuff into our warehouse because we had all of these small rolls, these remnant and, pieces, and some of them weren't scrap really pieces. Like they weren't always rolls. Like it's not. I have a fifteen foot roll and I cut three feet off. Sometimes you're cutting triangles, <clears throat> a circle yard yep. out of a square, and so you're left with these rounded triangle pieces, little strips, all kinds of stuff. And we we had. Uh, I don't think we gave it a name, but I was going to give it a name. Now it'd probably be like Mount Astralon. We had just this <laughs> mound of turf. When it starts, you come back from a job and you set it down real nice. And we created these bins. And we built them <laughs> out, of, the out pallets of pallets. Yes. And put them together. And, you know, certain size goes in one and another size goes in another. The good thing, Brian, is we only had one product. That's right. So they were all the same product. Now they weren't all the same dye lot. Who knew? But so the the uh, the bins got filled up, and then we'd start setting rolls on top of the bins. And you put stuff on top of the rolls, and then you go and and this thing ended up probably being eight ten, ten high. feet yep. high, just this mound of pieces of turf, and um, we we call that our rainy day turf fund. Yeah, and and so we we started to sell that right as we had that a nice thing about uh, a lot of the projects in Albuquerque because they tended to be smaller yards, you know, small little grass patches in a, in a, you know, area of rocks or zero escaping and desert landscape. So we could use some of these pieces and, and, you know, instead of maybe taking a, a 15 by 15 chunk of grass and cutting off the edges, we would take three or four smaller pieces 
and you put them together. It'd take a little bit more manpower, but you know, we, we had gotten technically good, so we could install that well. We could do seams well, and we started to. So when you say technically good, that's not like technically we could do it in a. <laughs> we were okay. You're saying technically as technicians, as tech, we were we good were really good. That's right, because we were we were really good installers. We still are. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we just had these projects where we would, in in essence, we would sell these remnant pieces. We would put them together and create a yard. Yeah. Now, we weren't selling the remnants. No, we were, we were selling, selling a, a project. Yard. We were selling a project. Yes. We told the customer, we will turf this area for X amount. We didn't tell them if it was going to be one piece or two pieces or three pieces. That that was indifferent. Uh, I just we weren't like running out selling like here's a little remnant you can no. take this. We continued to sell jobs, used uh, a little bit of skill, a little bit of magic <laughs> to take Mount Astralon and turn it into people's yards and. You know, we always we always did a good job, and I want to make sure we're going to tell a little story here, and I want to make sure it is clear that we did good work, we provided good solutions to the customers, but we were in a time of desperation, and we had we had to use what we had. Desperate times call for desperate um, measures. So, and I'm going to mention a name here that hasn't come on the scene, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Joe had sold a project to this person we're going to call Fern. And he uh, he came to me and he's like, "Here, here's what I sold." And, and I'm looking at our, our mountain of turf is much smaller now. And it's like, "Oh my goodness, um, I'm not quite sure how we're going to put this one together." And he said, "Well, what, what do I do?" I said, "Well, you know, sell it." Right? It's kind of like that. Always take the check. I shouldn't say he'd sold it. He came. He had a, a proposal he's putting together. And I said, "Yeah, we can do it." So he went out and sold it. And I think at this time, Angie was like either giving birth or ready to give birth. I think Brian Meredith was, was being born. So which meant it was Easter of 2004. And you remember what did our crew look like right now? Pretty sure it was you and me. Yeah. We, we didn't have one. Derek helped out. Right. So our install team was Joe, who was a new salesman and Derek, who was my 11 year old son. And we go out to do this job to complete the job. And I think it was five or 600 square feet. We had to use somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty of twenty to twenty-five pieces of turf we had to put together to do this one area. And it wasn't like a bunch of areas, it was one area. And we knew we could do it and make it look good. We knew it might not have the right appearance to the customer if they saw us putting it in. <laughs> so so what we did is we stationed, I think it was Joe out front because he knew what Fern looked like, and Derek and I didn't. And he just was kind of guarding the front of the house because Fern was gone. And if she came back, he was going to give us the signal to hide all the little pieces so it didn't look like we were piecing, you know, putting a puzzle together in her backyard. And uh, as it went, um, she did not come before the job was finished. Derek and I got it all put together. Uh, and when she came back, she was thrilled. It looked great and, and was a great project. But, man, you talk about trying to make the the ingredients we were talking about. We, it was like we, we pulled the salmon. Yeah. I don't know. We, and, and we pulled I mean, it out of thin air. What we didn't have was a lot of turf supply. What we did have was time, right? So time. when you install something that has a lot more pieces to it, it, it takes, takes a lot longer. more labor. 
And so uh, we were still providing the value, but we were providing the value in labor and time we and giving. extra effort um, to make that project. And again, like you said, I mean, it's not like you gave her something that wasn't good when you walked the project with her. She was thrilled. She, was thrilled. she loved it. It was Absolutely. a great project. Um, and we even went back. Uh, I know we went back, I think, one or two years later, Joe and I went back, and it was still great. I wanted yeah. to make sure. So the, no no customers were harmed in the making of this project. <laughs> I just want to make sure. But but we had to get creative. And that that was a story Joe and I hold on to to this day, uh, that and Derek, too, of the the Fern story. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, you, you talked about Joe. Um, at this same time, we had talked about, you know, we were down to three people, you, uh, Priscilla, and me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started to, to add people at this time. And, and this is a place that I think it's counterintuitive, I think. Yeah. But we realized not just we had to hold on and, and weather the storm through us, but we had to continue to, to look at where we were headed. And, and we knew that we had to rebuild this team. And, you know, the, the saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. We were in a point where we could have just continued to contract and lose people. But we, we said, no, we've, we've got to go out and we've got to add people. But one thing we learned was we, we learned a lesson from our previous failures and maybe some time where we were adding just bodies. We were just hiring anybody that, you know, I think our, our, you know, litmus test for hiring somebody was if they had a pulse and were breathing, <laughs> they breathed. Yeah, we they got past that one. We thought, Hey, this could be a valuable uh, team member. But now we started to look at it and say, okay, we, we need to make sure that when we're adding people, we're adding the right people. We're adding good people. And that's where, you know, Joe uh, Leedy comes into the story. Uh, Joe's extra referral from another salesman that was kind of a Pete. part-time salesman that we had added, Pete. Um, and, and Pete had been with us. He was selling, I think, paint and then selling uh, turf at times. And he introduced us to Joe. And um Joe was a good guy. He, we knew he was somebody that would do things the right way. We knew um, that, uh, you know, he was trustworthy. And, you know, at, at the time, I think we added Joe probably on a commission-only basis. Um, but pretty quickly, he, he became a valuable team member. Um, yeah, and, and we didn't have any installers. We needed some. It, at 11, Derek wasn't ready to go full-time yet. He still <laughs> had still working around that school had schedule. School, always getting in the way. So uh, our, our daughter McKenna was in kindergarten, and her kindergarten teacher came to Lori and said, and she knew what we did, and she said, hey, do you guys ever look for installers? Because um, my brother just graduated from high school and he's looking to move down here. And I think she referred to him as a strapping young farm boy. And we're thinking, oh, heck yeah. That get, sounded get, really good. Get a big guy, could lug around the rolls. So, um, but, but back to your point, Brian, we were starting to not just run an ad and hire people. We were looking for people that, people we knew knew and not just people we knew people People we we trusted. Um, Brig was the kindergarten teacher. She had similar values, similar faith. And so we thought, well, you know, if her brother is, she's vouching her for her brother, that'd be pretty good. Pete, you you said had been selling with us. We knew about him because we'd been with him for a handful of months, whatever. And 
um, he gives us a recommendation to somebody that he believes is good and, and valuable. It's like, okay, that's good. And that was, uh, it seems like a small thing, but that was a, a, a big and an important shift for us where um, we started to realize the quality of the people we put on the team are going to be re- reflective, uh, not reflective of who we are. They're, they're going to create, create. who we are. Yep. And if we bring in people that don't match our values, that don't match what's important to us, that don't have the same um, belief in what we're doing and why we're doing it, it's not going to work. They're going to turn over like we just, uh, you know, the experiences we'd just gone through. And yeah, I'd love to say we started that way. We came out of the gate that way, but we didn't. Uh, I think we were hiring out of necessity at first. Uh, but but that really that really changed, and to this day, right, forever long, we've we're so focused on bringing in people that match our culture, that fit our values, that reflect who we are, who we want to be, and who we want um, the the customers in the outside world to see and experience. So that, that was big. And, and as you said, we did this again during a time. Where we don't have a product, we don't have a company. Um, we lost all our people. We're we're trying to, to put together makeshift jobs and stay alive and feed our families. Yet we added two people to our team who would become key players in the growth and development of Forevalon for years and years to come. So we're adding people to the team. We're being resourceful and and creating, uh, you know, new alternative solutions, adding more labor or work to get the same result. Um, but you talked about making salmon and, uh, we were at the time we're missing the salmon, but we were still focused on being that salmon on, on the salmon. Yeah. And I, I think there were, if we're going to use a little story or analogy, I think a lot of other people who were in our situation the names were taken off that board they're like yeah fish is fish and they went out and bought a can of sardines and they used the same recipe instead of salmon they're throwing in sardines and look i eat sardines a lot of people (laughs) don't like them we are not an anti-sardine and group here um often for lunch i'll pop pop them in a can and i'm sure my office we like sardines um but even if you like sardines, they're not salmon. And, uh, you know, we fought that uh, that desire to, to switch out the recipe and replace the key ingredient, salmon, right. with something else. And I mean, we just found a way to make that work. And we kept looking and finding creative ways to take what we had to uh, to, you know, create the recipe we were trying to make. Maybe you're out there and listening to this right now and you're trying to make a salmon recipe and you don't have salmon and there's sardines sitting on the shelf there and you could grab them and throw them into the recipe. But what you really need is to hold out for the salmon. Yes. And, and maybe you can find a pile of salmon, <laughs> little pieces of salmon sitting in the back you can put together to make. Or maybe you, maybe you find a big fillet. Right. This analogy might have fallen apart somewhere in there, but you know, again, I, I think the takeaways for this is you know when you're in those moments, you know we we talked previously about you know not letting the pressure of a situation force you into a bad decision, um, but you've got to in that time you still got to survive and and you have to find creative ways to develop alternative solutions. You've got to 
realize that you've got to continue moving forward. You, you know, we, I think I've said previously, action trumps everything. If, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're, you're, you're going to fall behind. So what are you doing to keep in motion and keep looking ahead? Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things uh, we were fortunate enough in this case to do, and I would encourage others to do is um, we weren't um, building for the moment. We were building for what we wanted it to be. And um, if you're in this, if you're in the middle of a struggle, sometimes don't make the decisions based on where you're at in that struggle, but make your decisions based on where you want to be when you come out of it. And that, that might have a, a little positive twist on your mindset and, and how you deal with this. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was, that was a, that was a very tough period, Brian, as we talk about this, um, that was a hard time, but it was neat. And, and we got through it. And out of that came, you know, products that would be the foundation of Foreverland for years to come people that would be key parts of who Foreverland was for year to come and core values that define who we are. So, Yes, it was a difficult time. And then I said, you know, just a little bit ago as we were preparing for this, I, I almost would like to go back and just be dropped in and live one day in that moment. What is that now? 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I don't know. I kinda, <laughs> that might be hard to go through that again. But maybe we could just watch it. Yeah. We'll maybe we don't have to be dropped in it. So wherever you are, uh, I encourage you to, to keep moving. Learn from from your own mistakes. You, you know that the maybe like you, you've been through situations, and you, maybe you have a, a business, and you've hired just bodies instead of the right people. And you're learning. Hey, I've I've got to learn from that. Maybe you made short term decisions instead of focusing on the long term, and now you're in a position where you can correct that and set a course that's a, a better foundation for long term growth. Um, but whatever you do, I, I would encourage you to keep moving, keep grinding. The, the one thing that you, you can't do is just sit idle. And, and as long as you're continuing to move forward and taking steps in faith, uh, I'm, I'm confident good, better days are ahead. Yeah, and if you do those things, guys, uh, you will um, become and create people of impact. So thanks for listening. Uh, if you get a chance, go out and leave us a review. We would love to, to see the comments and, and hear from you and get the feedback uh, to share with other listeners as well. Thanks. Have a great day. This is the Thread Army reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.